covering Danish society from Greenland to Gililai. In-studio debates, live chats and more. Experts, expats, Danes and internationals coming together to recover what got lost in translation. How's your tea? No. <laughs> Warm. It's oh, dark now at five o'clock. It's horrible. <laughs> exactly. You said five o'clock. So today, as we're recording today, is the day of the election. And I had been, I Googled earlier today when the actual polling stations close. And they close at eight o'clock. And when I came here uh, to your place on my bicycle, I was thinking, oh, they must be closed by now because it's so late already. It was five o'clock. Yeah, it's... So you come home from work and it's... It's completely dark. Miriam, did you know that in 1921, the first red sausage was sold on the streets of Copenhagen and 101 years later, we eat 50 million of them per year? 50 million? Yeah. I mean, speak for yourself, I'm <laughs> vegan, so... <laughs> I I don't eat red sausages. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's been a long time since I last had a sausage can. <laughs> not even the bright red ones, Especially like the flag. Particularly not the bright red ones. I also try and avoid things with luminous colours. <laughs> but I tell you this fact of sausage history is because Mid and West Shelands Politi have spent over 80,000 kroner on an opening party of a new police station in the West Shelland town of Essenes. 88,000 kroners yes. for an opening party. So this okay. is a party to open a brand new police station. It's a celebration. Celebration, mm. yeah. yeah. 56,000 kroner of that, 88,000 was spent on a Puzovon mm-hmm. serving the red sausage. So the the, the food <laughs> truck serving... Eight out of 88,000. 56,000. Can you imagine sending that invoice to mm. your superior mm-hmm. and, and being like, yeah, so these are the total expenses of yeah. the party. 56,000 yeah. for sausages. That's quite a sausage party. That's quite a sausage. It's <laughs> an expensive night out. That's but incredible. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's insane is what it is. According to Uland's post in the party lasted two hours. No. <laughs> hang on. Two hours, 88,000 kroner. I mean, yeah. I mean... I, I granted I haven't had that many like big parties of my life, weddings or whatever. But like two hours, eighty-eight thousand yeah. kroners. Two two hours worth of sausages. Yes, fifty-six thousand kroners. Yes. listeners, just yes. letting you know there. Uh, during the two hours, it just wasn't sausages though. There was a demonstration with police dogs. Oh, thank heavens! <laughs> not just sausages. <laughs> Uh, the police cars were placed out in show and you could have a chat with the lovely police officers who were going to man the police station that was being opened. And How according lucky <laughs> a chat with the police officer. <laughs> Only 88,000 kroners. <laughs> Apparently, according to Elan's post, it was the most expensive opening party for a police station well, ever. <laughs> in I mean, fortunately... <laughs> Fortunately, can you imagine if it was only the third most expensive? I know. Could, yeah, I wouldn't be. Um, I wouldn't put it past Denmark. But just to really go into the monumental waste of money this was. Do continue. <laughs> uh, the party cost the taxpayer seven hundred and thirty-three kroner per minute because it lasted for one hundred and twenty minutes. Oh my god! Um, also, at the party, over eight thousand kroner was spent on soft drinks. So that's a lot of facts of Gandhi. <laughs> 4,000 kroner was spent on a coffee van. Of course. And 6,250 kroner was spent on the Shaylands pol- Police Orchestra to perform at the party. I mean, fair enough. Pay, pay, for, the, <laughs> yeah. pay for arts. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, d- yeah. I believe in paying for arts, like, you know, music <laughs> and these things. But so Only 6,000 kroner? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Maybe the, the, the big art of the day was the 56,000 spent on can the sausages. You, can you, though, as a Dane, explain this Puzzle Von thing to me? Because it seems like it's it's like a cultural icon here. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Like, everywhere I, mean, I go, I see them. So, um, well, I mean, Puzzle Von, for those who don't really understand, probably if you lived in Denmark, you understand the term by now, but it's the food truck that sells sausages, right? Yeah. Hot dogs. Um and we have the, you know, the hot dog, and then there's the Franz hot dog, which I have no idea why it's French it's, hot dog. It's you know the Danish water and the French hot yeah. dog. I don't know what it is <laughs> with us and putting nationalities in front of uh, items we can consume. Um, but anyway, they, I mean, they they've been quite iconic for some time. I think um, 
yeah, you mentioned 1921, I guess, was yeah. the first time it appeared in Copenhagen. Uh, back in the 70s, there were roughly like, I think, 700 or so in Denmark alone. Now there's only about 100 left. But it came around the time where gas was made readily, readily available for anyone. So it's a kind of the first food trucks we okay. had in Denmark. But it also relates to sausages generally just being a big part of Danish culture. And um, here's a fun fact. I actually discovered this today. You know, in Danish, like, uh, we call it pulsehorn. Um, yes, my favorite food, remember? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's what you in English would call a, a pig, pigs in a blanket. Or yeah, a, yeah, or like paste, yeah. Mm. I, I, um, I always thought it meant like sausage horn. It does, and here's the fun <laughs> fact: because the, the looks like a horn. The one we know today with with the pastry around it, mm. um, in in olden days, but we go back hundreds, two hundred years ago. Uh, Pulsehorn was actually the term for when we used to make sausages. So when people made it uh, themselves at home, where they were stuffing, you know the. I guess the intestines to actually like physically making sausage. Okay. You understand what I'm yeah, saying, yeah, right? Yeah, so they're putting the sausage in the sausage casing. Yes, yes. exactly. Okay. There we go. Back it's not a pun. No. <laughs> Could be. Depending. Could be. <laughs> Could yeah, be. Depending on your taste level. <laughs> but we're, no, we're generally talking food right here. Yeah. Um, no, so back then, what people y- used to use in order to do that before something like the meat grinder, these things were invented, was actually like a cow's horn cut oh. at different thicknesses you've just blown my mind because right? i've wondered why it was called a puzzle horn uh, for me so too. many years me too so i and i've literally figured this out today and i, I this the explosion is still echoing throughout, <laughs> still throughout. silence in the distance <laughs> exactly no so that's because that's where the term puzzle horn comes okay. from it's a cow's horn that was used to shape the sausages when okay. they were put in the casing there you go there you go you'll tell that at work tomorrow yes <laughs> And then I'll complain about these 56,000 kroners spent on the sausages. Just to give some context, because I mm. looked into the costs of other... Apparently, police station opening parties are very common in Denmark. Um, so I found some stats. And I didn't know we were <laughs> opening so many police stations to begin with. You know? In Pronesleo, in Nordjylland, they spent just under 65,000 kroner for an opening party. And a hot dog van cost just under 24,000 kroner. I mean, it's uh, it's mildly better. Mildly better. <laughs> in uh, in Struer, mid Yuland, they spent just under sixteen thousand on their opening party. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. sixteen. Yeah. Th- but then again, Struer. Yeah, it's mid Yuland. Really, really like besides besides spot, is it? <laughs> besides B and O, there's really not much in Struer. You know. I, I mean, mean <laughs> I, I, but home home to Inga Stoiper. I was wondering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why do we always find this woman in our podcast? She's just, <laughs> She's just there. She's just there, yeah. She, she probably was there cutting the ribbon. That's not fact. <laughs> I don't sausage. know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and the opening party in Hoiglau Saxa police station cost 20000 So It's cheap in Newland to open a police station. Do you want to know what Heino Kegel said? <laughs> <laughs> He's the Wait, chairman of the police association. Oh, yes, absolutely. He, what does he say? He condemned the spending, said that uh, he doesn't understand why at this time we're spending so much money when every kroner should be try and spun. I, well, I couldn't agree more. I'm yeah. actually, that's a very, very positive comment coming from what you would suppose be one of the culprits of yeah. sausage eaters. One of the head of the sausage party. <laughs> <laughs> Right. He wasn't but, happy. But he's he's you know he's absolutely right. Part of this election is focusing on you know how how do we ensure we have enough money to get through winter, this pending energy crisis, and you know um, salaries in the public sector and the the social democrats. One of the main things you know the the U turn the sort of metaphorism has has taken in this election is is saying that she wants to award. I think it's up to 2,500 kroners more a month yeah. for nurses. Um, and this wasn't even talked about until, you know, this election where she was kind of realized, Meta and kind of saw that she would have to give something like that in order to uh, have a better stance in the election. Before that, no one talks about it, but 56,000 kroners for a sausage wagon. I will throw a thing in here. It is a bit tactical because this all happened in March. So I don't know if it's maybe because the budgets have came out, but it's it's just this story came out yesterday. It's, I mean, 
But it happened in March. So. It's still, the past two years have been a financial struggle for so many. And, you know, I, I don't think, of course, new opening celebration, we should also be able to enjoy things and, and celebrate uh, great, you know, great <laughs> celebrate things happening. Celebrate police stations. <laughs> sure, you know, why not? You know, maybe, maybe it's, it was much needed. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been to that part of Denmark in a long time. 56,000. First of all, 88,000 is a ridiculous number. Second of all, out of 88,000, 56,000 is way over half of the money has been spent. Yeah. And we're not talking food and drinks overall, but no, that's one specifically thing. on hiring a portable food truck selling hot dogs. I hope the guy that did the Pursovon isn't found out. <laughs> I mean, he's probably happy. He's, he's like, probably, yeah. you know, no, I, I send them an invoice. That's all I did, you know. <laughs> I just wonder, like, what, were the were the vegan options? <laughs> was it just classic hot dogs? You know, like. <laughs> Did they, I'm, I'm more. I would like to know if they had to pay for the hot dogs because I wouldn't be surprised if oh, they you had mean to like also pay for the fifty six thousand to have in there. But yeah. then every oh, that could maybe. Be something. It lasted yeah. two hours though, so. No, then I think we'd heard more about it. Then you would yeah. have all the police out there complaining. So. I think what I think is funny is you see a, a, you know, a great difference between uh, like the stereotypical policeman that Hollywood has given us, which is like a donut eater, and then we're in Denmark where it's a sausage eater. <laughs> <laughs> Luminous sausage eater. Luminous sausage eater. <laughs> so that was the, yeah, so. Wait, because. Nurses, that's <laughs> where your money is. <laughs> I, I have a, 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 a quick question in relation to that. I'm just curious because, I mean, I've been vegan since 2016, and before that, I haven't eaten pork since I was 13 years old. Mm. So to be fair, my knowledge around the sausage selection in Danish supermarkets is fairly limited. Um, I don't know if yours is any better. It is, yeah. yeah I, I I'm, imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm British, it is. <laughs> well, how does it compare to, to the UK? <laughs> Garbage. But selection-wise? Just or horrible. This really? It's not sausages. You've lived in the UK. You know what a sausage is. Yeah, but well, you know, what is it, the blot, blots? Uh, Cumberland sausages. Um, You've got, like, link sausages. Like, the sausages here are, like, American, what we would call in the UK American hot really? dogs. Kind of this processed... I mean, come on, come on. Every, every, almost every yeah, summer, it's, know, it's processed, you know, with definition of process. But I, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, for example, if you compare to like uh, Italian or Spanish sausages yeah. as well, like it, the Danish ones, at least you get in the supermarket, are really like factory made. If yeah. you go to like a local butcher, you can get really, really good yeah. sausages. But they're really expensive compared to the UK. Maybe, um, yeah. yeah, of course. But I have, I have to say, considering the climate situation, yeah, if you want meat, you better pay for it. Yeah. Sorry. No, I can agree with you, but. I tend to not buy these processed sausages here in Denmark because I just don't think it's... I don't know. I'm a snob, though. And I've <laughs> talked about this for six years with the sausages here. There's nothing... Nothing compares to a good Cumberland sausage <laughs> from Paddy Brannan's Butchers in the village I grew up in. No. Very but few people can relate to this. <laughs> All right. So besides a uh, ridiculous amount of money spent on sausages, what else are in the news these days? It's the election. Did you know? It's voting Absolutely. day today at time of recording. You know, um, I do know. And I, I, I believe that there might be a hint. Uh, we have a hint of Postnor maybe potentially listening in on our podcast because yeah, following, tell us about that. following last week's rant, I, ha I didn't receive my voting card. <laughs> So you can see all the extra staff they deployed didn't work. Exactly. So last one of our news last week, for those who didn't hear, was the fact that Posnoa had decided to deploy extra staff to ensure that all voters would receive their voting cards ahead of the election. Which you were not. One which of. I didn't receive. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I, they must be listening. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so if you're listening. I always order via GLS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you no, didn't get your voting card. Yeah, no, I didn't. But fortunately, um, as an alternative, you can always just show up with your uh, health uh, insurance card, the yellow card. Uh, the only thing I needed to understand where I had to go. So I had to call the municipality and inform them of my CPR number. And then they told me where to, to go to vote. So I live in Ama and I went to the, the school close to Lekos Parking Station. Okay. So that's where I went. That's where I voted in the commune elections. Yep. Yeah. It's most of the time it's the, it's the same venue. Yeah. Different election, same venue. So you voted? I voted, yeah. I went to plan? Yeah, I mean, it, 
It was it was really tough. I woke up this morning and I had no idea who I was going to vote for. It was such a, I mean, it's been such a confusing election. Berlinske today, so the oldest newspaper in Denmark, there was a, a comment uh, from the foreign editor, and and she commented on this aspect, of, well, of the election, and she, because it's been such a, it's been such a, yeah, watching kin- kindergartners argue, and no one really seems to have like a plan no. for them. And she said this thing I thought was so, it was so great, really kind of described the situation we've come to that no, everyone is ignoring or like not acknowledging. And she was mentioning that, you know, if you look at the US, in the US they're blinded by the illusion of their own superiority. Uh, in the UK, it's, it's the dream of reviving. Just watch, because I'm going to the US on Sunday and I want to get in. <laughs> <laughs> you will get in, you'll get in. It's, it's just don't tell them either that I'm in your suitcase, you'll get in. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sorry, but so that's the that's the that's the US, right? Okay. US they they're still blinded by the illusion of their superiority despite the fact that you know right now we're watching something people have or media has termed coined this term the the US decline, or the mm. American decline. Uh in the UK there's you know the dream of reviving the empire which is led just to a series of and I quote horrible decisions. <laughs> yes. And then she says in Denmark we're stuck on the idea of the perfect welfare state. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think it it really speaks to this kind of this confusion or this you know I have I haven't been able to pinpoint it myself but when she when I read that uh, it just some summarized the whole thing is that we have Denmark is built on the idea of the welfare state but right now the welfare state is dependent on so many things it's dependent on uh, having healthcare workers it's depending on people going into those trades but we have we're seeing now future generations are, are the ones that would rather you know uh, realize their dreams they would rather go out and, and pursue freedom we, like there's been such a shift in yeah. in the generation or from generation to generation and that means that all these this foundation the welfare state it, it's becoming harder and harder to realize and uh, but we keep clinging on to the idea of it rather than saying perhaps we need to radically change the structure and form of the welfare state and the politicians are not, you know, looking at that because most of them are still the past generations. Yeah. Although this this election has been crazy, the amount of politicians that are on TikTok. Yeah, I was just gonna say that it's, I've seen a lot of kind of. It's uh, eerie. <laughs> it's creepy. Or, or sorry, let me just say this because I sent you it today. I won't mention the politician, but it was like a provincial politician who made like a Facebook reel, mm. but it doesn't really make any sense. No. It was just him kind of screaming at you about registration, which is the tax you pay when you register your car. And then it just kind of ended. It's just like, I don't want to pay my registration, Algie. Vote for, and then it ended. <laughs> it was like, okay, I guess that's, a lot what? of that's been going on in the provinces. No, but I, it's, you know, it's. I mean, on the one hand, I see it. On the other hand, I heard this really great analysis of it in the DR podcast called Genstart, um, which means I re- reboot, I guess. In yeah, English. restart. Restart, yeah. It's basically this journalist uh, who, ha- she runs another podcast, but she was in there and talking about, you know, how are the politicians using TikTok? And they're using it, of course, to reach young people and young voters in Denmark. But what she mentions, and which is this, um, the issue with it, is that it never really becomes serious it becomes yeah. sort of like a, a satirical uh, version of the politician's life they almost become like meme characters yeah. and and so that it loses the whole sense you know, like the platform of course is the interface for the young voters but does just is it politics is a political debate that breathing the young voters no it's just meme it's meme characters as you said i listened to meta Fredriksson on the voice which is kind of like the hit music radio station in denmark mm. aimed at kind of teenagers I and grew up with the voice. Yeah. Yep. She was just talking about how she was an, a water aerobics instructor in Alba. But you talk about policies or anything. Y- the recently, there, there, was <laughs> a, okay. there was a journalist, in order to get an interview with her, he had to join her for a spinning class. Yeah, I also seen this. Yeah. And she started singing. It was, it was like, to- it was cringe. That was okay. the feeling. I, that's how I described for me. It was really... I mean, I thought McCallumel and Tupo was bad. <laughs> I just was waiting for you to say <laughs> that. McCallumel and Tupo. I thought that was bad. And then she's there in, like, I think a fitness world or something, spinning and singing along to, like, an 80s pop song. Oh. <laughs> Danish 80s pop song, I might know. She also wrote something about... Um, i seen an article today where she wrote about uh, the secret to a long marriage with Bo. Bo's her husband, by the way. Yeah. Really, like, yeah, clinging for it. <laughs> 
like okay <laughs> but also like that's really weird advice you're like you know what what do you need in your life how to have a long marriage with my husband Bo. <laughs> Bo. <laughs> Yeah, the Faroe Islands voted yesterday. They did. What happened in the Faroe Islands, Miriam? So, well, bas- well basically, they are they're good like representation of like the divide that's happening in Denmark because basically, you know, Faroe Islands have two mandates in the Danish Parliament, and one mandate went to the left wing, and one mandate went to the right wing. So they're really fifty fifty. They're really fifty fifty. Wow. Yeah. Um, but what also happened is that I think the the first woman was since. Maybe 2005, early 2000s, was uh, elected as an as an MP, as a parliamentary representation from Faroe Islands to sit in Denmark. Okay. So that was really good, especially since Faroe Islands um, have really, you know, a big issue in the Faroe Islands uh, in the past years has been in discussion in the media, been the restriction on ab- abortion. So abortion is completely different in, in Faroe okay. Islands. And actually a lot of women, Faroese women, uh, tend to come to Denmark either for abortion, but also I know Faroese women living here who are, uh, you know, um, are basically talking about feeling that their society is backwards because they're still, uh, you have to have a doctor's approval in order to get an abortion in Faroe Islands. See, that surprises me because I know that they had a very big uh, LGBTQ plus movement in the Faroe Islands. They had a very big pride Yes, you know? they d- they did, but you know, one like this is the let's just like first of all just to set the foundation. Faroe Islands is still a, a highly um, a religious community compared yeah. to 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 Denmark or the Danish population, yeah. or the church still plays a, a very um, important role in the communities there. And perhaps you know who you love is different to the idea of you know a, a lot of anti-abortionists uh, are saying okay. the fact that you're. You know, you're ending the life uh, yeah. of of a of a child, unborn child. You know. Okay, and what is the the church they are following in the Faroe Islands? Oh, it's it's the uh, the Protestant church. Okay, so okay. Yeah, sorry, not the Catholic. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry to disappoint, Ken. And That's I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> Bye. To, to Scotland, to Catholic Scotland. <laughs> to Catholic Scotland. Yeah. You're sitting next to a Jew. Again. I'm I just, went I'm to Catholic <laughs> school. Like I can't. I just have to represent, man. Yeah. Honestly. Please so. don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, l- let's not l- have religion play a role <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so the Faroe Islands, they have voted for one mandate on the left wing and one mandate on the right wing. Yes, and of course that will also then affect uh, the division between right and left uh, wing parties in the Danish parliament and how they vote. So, But it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's interesting to see wh- how it's going to happen because even, even this morning uh, I was h- listening to the radio and they interviewed Lars Lugge Rasmussen who is set to have like the deciding vote could tip the whole election towards either right wing or left wing and... Um, and when asked um, who he would support, he, he was still saying, like, I'm not going to... Who, who he would support for prime minister. He said, yeah. like, I'm not going to be prime minister. I know that. The odds are against me. But I'm also not going to say who I'm going to support. Oh, he's loving it. He's he loving loves it. the and power. Of course he loves the power. He's a kingmaker, apparently. <laughs> but what we, y- what we did, you and me, Cam, yes. um, we asked around um, on various Facebook groups for expats and internationals living in Denmark to ask if there was someone voting for the first time and to hear if we could join them and talk a bit about their experience. And uh, Carolina got back to me. She's from Colombia originally, came to Denmark 12 years ago, and she now lives in Glasaxe with her uh, German husband and their children. So I met her in the morning. She just dropped off her children, and then we went uh, to Glasaxe School where she was going to cast a vote. So I'm Carolina, I'm 41, and I'm originally from Colombia. And how long have you lived in Denmark for? Almost 12 years. I moved here because of work. It was initially a temporary contract, and, but I decided to stay eventually. I, made my, I met my husband here, and, and I stayed. How do you, of course you speak Danish, but where do you find your information about who to vote for? Ever since I moved here, I started following the Danish life. So at the beginning, it was it was international newspapers here in Denmark, like Copenhagen Post. But as I gained more knowledge of the Danish language, I was following up uh, news, mostly Dea.deco because it's free access, uh, but also from Politiken and Berlinske. That's where I get my information from. Have you been following any of uh, the debates on TV? 
Well, to be absolutely honest, I, I start watching the debates because there's a handful of candidates who just, they just talk with so much hate and they just give so much misinformation that I just decided I'm not going to follow up with them. I think I made up my mind eight years ago uh, when, no, eight years ago with the last government when they, they, they introduced very harsh immigration laws that affected me personally. So that's the moment I said if I ever become a Danish citizen, there's a bunch of, bunch of parties that would not get my vote. Um, so I followed the ones that I liked and yeah, it kind of stuck. I think I already agreed to a couple of parties and those are the ones I'm following. Mm. Yeah. And what does it, how does it make you feel when you hear there, there is this very strict uh, move towards integration? How, do, how does that make you feel as an international citizen living here? It has been quite offensive and I can say that from the elections almost seven years ago when you could always see this poster saying criminal foreigners, I took it very personally. Um, yeah, and then uh, you speak to colleagues who are Danes, it's like, yeah, but we don't mean you, yeah, but the, the laws affect me. And then you start following up and they say, well, a criminal should not be awarded citizenship. And yes, of course, if you talk to someone, of course, a criminal, someone has stopped someone, of course, they should not be able to get citizenship. But when you're talking an American mom who got a speeding ticket and that makes her a criminal, that is unfair. That is unfair. Uh, people who have been here for 20 years, 30 years, they speak the language, they are married to Danes, they have Danish children, and still they are just caught in this mayhem trying to get access to uh, permanent residence or a nationality. It's not fair. Uh, final question before I let you go, Abun. Yeah, sure. um, this election this year, there's a lot of new parties and a yeah. lot of candidates. Um, what, what do you feel when you see this coming a bit from a view of outside, but also having lived well. here? What do you think of this election this year? Well, about the election, I have an opinion on that. What I like about the Danish system is there's there's a lot to pick from. If you are a vegan, there's an option for you. If you're, you're a libertarian, there's an option for you. So I think it is fair that everyone will have a share and will be represented in the parliament. But I, what, I, what I'm more concerned about is that I think it's a critical historical point. I don't know, maybe it sounds a little bit selfish, but it's a historical point in the sense we're in the middle of an energy crisis. Uh, we have inflation. We have Danish families struggling to make ends meet. At the same time, there is a war in Europe uh, the allied democracies are very fragile, so there is a lot at stake in this election. And we want, oh, I want my voice being heard, or I want to be represented a parliament and a government that is adequate to make the right decisions. Oh. Yeah, so Carolina, she cast her vote. Yeah. I, I thought she had some quite interesting points. What do you think? Um? Yeah, I really, um, she, she spoke about the criminal foreigners thing. I remember that campaign. Mm. I think you made a really clear point about the, you know, uh, like a simple, like a, an American mom getting a speeding ticket. Mm. I have a story on this. Um, mm. <laughs> I mentioned that I'm uh, trying to become, or I will become, Danish citizen for the next couple of years. And um, but a year, a year ago, I uh, made a mistake, and it was a mistake. Mm. It was an honest mistake, but it was a mistake, and I put my hands up to it. I was uh, driving uh, my car in mm. the centre of town and I went through a, a street where it was only allowed for bicycles and uh, canela, like mopeds. Oh, yes, yeah. And, yeah, knowing my luck, the police car was right behind me, so mm. I got pulled over and I got a fine. Mm. But then I... Um, so will this affect... It could have. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't in the end because I read the law. I had to speak to um, a lawyer about it. It was quite stressful. Basically, what I'm trying to get at, if, and the law with the citizenship is if you have a, a fines, which are traffic fines or criminal offence fines, yeah, fines from the police that are over 3,500 kroner, mm. then you are giving a five-year penalty to your citizenship. Now, just bear in mind that your speeding tickets... If but, yeah. So it relates to the financial amount on, on the fine? Yes. So I thought okay. it was fines accumulated. Mm. Um, so, like, I've had a couple of speeding tickets. Right. Which, <laughs> but let it, it all out, Cam. Let, let it, it all out. out. <laughs> but I was, and I paid my speeding tickets and I held my hands up. FYI. And it, it, like, I'm not, you know, not on the run or anything. But, um, yeah, I just a couple of stupid speeding tickets when I moved over here. Um, mm. And I thought, oh, no, I've got three and a half thousand now. Mm. Um, but the law is very vague, in my opinion. Mm. And actually, when the lawyer looked at it, it was if you have one fine of three and a half thousand kroner. Okay. But apparently they can interpret it 
in some way in the citizenship process if it's three and a half thousand. So and again, it's the point is that it's it's vague and it makes yeah. it really rigid and it means that it could you know what yeah. did you say five years? Penalty? It's a five year penalty from applying. Yeah. So the process just in short, you have to live between seven and nine years mm. in Denmark. So if there's another five years on top of that, yeah, you're going to be here fifteen years before you even get a look in. And it's the thing, it's not the, you know, the, it's not the fact of saying like, oh, well, I might as well just leave then before. It's the fact that you don't have citizen rights until yeah. then, you know, the same rights, exactly the same rights a Danish citizen. Yeah. And I'm not advocating for a, a, you know, completely easy citizenship process. I think that there should be requirements like speaking Danish, passing a citizenship test mm. to become a Danish citizen. Of course, it's how, that's how it is in the UK. But it's a bit extreme at times. It did also change. It used to be five years, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And now it's eight, yeah, yeah. Say seven to nine years. Yeah. Seven to nine years. And I believe one of the parties um, was now campaigning if you were a foreign national convicted of reckless driving, which could be anything from, like, you know, you drive a little bit too fast at the parking spot and you crash into a parked car. That mm. can be construed as reckless driving that you could uh, face deportation, which is just a bit like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and this was this was another point that Carolina mentioned, this uh, thing saying, like, we have a we have an, a climate crisis, we have a, mm. an energy crisis, there's war in Europe, there's so many things we're facing, and we keep coming back to these yeah. policies that are just focusing on on limiting the, the, the possibilities for, for internationals, particularly for... Uh, you know, uh, Muslims and people yeah. coming from Muslim countries. It's it's focused on that, and it's that's that's for me what make gets me so upset and made me so divided in this election because uh, there are some parties that I I p believe in terms of like finding like actionable plans towards you know energy crisis and green transition in the farming industry and these things. I I support their views, but then when it comes to integration and the way this view diversity and, and, and the global society, I completely disagree. And there's this dissonance between the two. And personally I believe that like diversity is is the key to unlocking all of these issues. Yeah. That's my take yeah. on it. But it's also we talked about it in previous podcasts. There's a labor shortage. We need yeah. people. And I think these rules of, you know, uh, speeding tickets being barriers. And I get it. Like, if you speed, you should be punished. But it's like, come on. Deportation but for reckless driving or speeding tickets or... And even before that, because one that's, you know, affecting people who are already here. But right now, even the barrier for non-EU citizens to come to Denmark is so high. It It's, it's warning people off from moving to Denmark. And... And as you said, we have a labor shortage, especially in healthcare. We're not the only country in the world. It's yeah. a global labor shortage. Yeah. And there's, so there's a global demand for people to work in healthcare sectors. And that means every other country as well is fighting for healthcare workers for, for example, Philippines, the Middle East. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, will, will they come to, to Denmark where it's so hard for them to get basic citizen rights? Or will they go maybe somewhere where it's easier to get in, where they're guaranteed? Australia. Just released thirty five thousand new visas for healthcare yeah. workers. There you know, you so it's um. And then in, you know, here it's like New Bali that wants you know elderly <laughs> to be able to choose whether <laughs> they want a Jew or oh. a Muslim or a gay person to be there, <laughs> their yeah. nursing staff. Yeah. Now it's, it's just uh, what's the term? I think priorities are off, and I I. A lot of times throughout these past um, couple of weeks, because I follow I follow the debates every day, I've I've really had this sense where I'm, I'm I felt like you know other politicians you know, are we living in the same country are we living, are we in, living the same, in the same, same universe at the same at time the you know yeah. <laughs> it's um it's quite interesting because Carolina mentioned that she remembers this campaign with criminal foreigners and mm. I also remember that and she said you know she remembers when. She now that she can vote, you know, she's gonna make her voice heard mm. with the parties, and I completely agree with that because I think a lot of um, internationals, especially in this election, have been watching what parties have been saying. They will watch over the next four years mm. um, what parties do, who are in power, who are not in power, 
And when it's their time to, you know, shake the hand and get the passport and they can vote, those parties will be will be held accountable for what they've mm. done towards, you know, stricter immigration laws that are just unreasonably strict at times. Yeah. And I can say this because I'm at the end of it. I'm at the, uh, you know, at the the receiving end of it, I should say. Well, we're both kind of victims yeah. for it, right? Because, you know, although I'm a Danish citizen, I was put on integration benefits yeah, exactly. from living abroad, you yeah. know. But I think... Um, Even that, to say that, if you were to say that to someone in another country, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a citizen of Australia and I was put on integration benefits because I lived abroad. Mm. They would laugh at you. But every time I tell this story, both to Danes and internationals living here and uh, friends living in other countries, they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's but uh, you know I think one thing is saying the parties will be held accountable. I don't think necessarily that they will be held accountable. It's just more the fact that Denmark as the rest of the world is becoming more diverse and globalized, you know, because first of all free movement in the EU, second of all um refugee crisis uh, um, that's also pushing people around and then just the fact that we are a globalized society. Yeah. That's how our generation grows up with the privilege of being able to travel and to go and live every, and it's not as scary as it once used to be you know now if you're like oh my god i, I want to go live in colombia how do i do that you go on youtube and there's like yeah. 500 videos yeah. telling you how Vloggers to telling you how to do exactly it. yeah. it's so much easier to choose where in the world you want to settle down and and i think that's a beautiful thing i think denmark and many countries in general should embrace it rather than fight it because it is inevitable yeah. it will just keep increasing yeah no, it will. I was hearing some... Today on the radio, there was loads of... Um, I think they were just trying to get the last of their budgets out with the advertising, but it was Pia Kersgaard. Have you heard her advert? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, no, no headscarves on little girls and women. Yes. That's that's the, the line. That's That's her policy. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's nothing new, to be honest. Inga Steiber just says vote Inga Steiber. Yeah. <laughs> All day it's just been like stem Inga Steiber. Dance folk with I mean I the thing like also modern Messersmith is is way off. There was um uh yesterday and, and when I say they're way off, in not just in terms of like according to what you and, and me think should be like the way forward for Denmark, but also within the right wing parties there was a, a a political debate, the last political debate between all the party leaders uh, yesterday. And there was a fight that broke out on the right wing. And it was um, because Morten Messerschmitt, who is the leader of Dance Folkeparti, mm. uh, went out and said, they were talking about uh, integration. And he went out and said, um, you know, we you shouldn't have uh, families. When families come here, they bring their kids with them. Yeah. And that's that's the problem because then you have next generation. It was, oh you know. Oh, my God. And, but that fight broke out because the, uh, like, to a certain degree, like, unfortunately, because New Bali, um, uh, Penila Vermon was the one who went and said, like, that's not what it is about. Uh, our problem right now is the people who are already here and not having them integrated. It's yeah. not about, you know, more coming. It's like that diverse. But it just, again, it goes back to this, you know, us versus them and this um, xenophobia. Yeah. That's really out there. But what does, can I ask a question? And mm. I, I when they talk about integrate, I feel like I miss a point here when they say not integrated, because I would argue that I'm not integrated. I work for an airline that's based in another country that operates out of Denmark. I work with mostly people from Sweden. I don't really work in a Danish environment. I work mostly with Swedes. Am I not integrated? What is the what are they trying to get here with the integration thing? Yeah, but it's a good question. But it's also the the. F reason it also becomes murky is because during these debates it's like you know are we talking foreign policies are we talking immigration policies oh, okay. are we talking integration policies you know it's it's hard to to diversify or like separate the the three from each other um in the political debate but also i think when specifically looking at integration one of the key issues they're looking at are um specifically refugee uh, families that are unemployed they're on living on benefits or where both parents are living on benefits and and they are stuck within you know their 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 housing um, situation. Yeah. 
And so they are not integrated because they're not working. They're not working in society. They're not contributing to society. So th I think that's a part of integration. Uh, okay. But if I mean, if you go if you go back just five years, and probably some people on the on the right wing or even now with social democracy on the left wing <laughs> would uh, <laughs> would argue that proper integration is you know eating macalmo and drinking two bottles. <laughs> you know, dance is is the you know. A lot for some reason it's so easy to associate culture. Well, for some reason, obviously it's so easy to associate a uh, culture and adapting or adopting a culture to eating the food of the culture, and maybe that's also where sometimes it clash because going back to a hot dog story, mm. you know, pork is. Yeah, the, I remember the that in the kindergartens they were years ago. It's been it's been adapting it. Yeah, so in in kindergartens that happened uh, a few years ago, right? Where they they started changing that, but it's often been an issue. It's it's about you just offering options yeah. in the end. But again, it come it's it's more the fact I think that it feels like an attack on values and it feel it feels like attack on the conventional, the relatable, the the safe and secure. And we have to remember Denmark has always been a little bubble. Disneyland, remember? Disneyland. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It is. It is that kind of, you know, safe, secure place. And people who grow up in Denmark, Danes specifically, like ethnic Danes who grew up here, don't really grow up with that, that sense of fear of, of you know, potentially losing everything. That's one thing I realized when I was growing up. That, um, of course, being a Danish citizen, like I have the welfare system and I have this safety net, but. And I think I mentioned earlier on this podcast, when you grow up Jewish, there is always that sense that, you know, for 2000 years, you were prosecuted for 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 your religion, for your culture, for who you are, where you came from. And no matter where you moved, um, the government would be against you. And you can say that, oh, it's not the case now and it's a different time. But there is you always grow up with that sense of not 100 percent trusting mm. the government of the yeah. country that you live in and you never you always assume it could happen again because throughout history it happened so much again and i think that has always made me grow up with this awareness towards like not taking things for granted and i do often feel that other danes don't have that that they take that safety and that privilege for granted oh yeah i can tell you that from day one when i yes. arrived it's crazy but also for that me that, that you know not having danes don't grow up with the back against the wall no and they never, and very rarely they experience that until all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe they're thrown, they move abroad or, or something happens or, you know, it's majority of Danes just really, really don't understand that any, any moment or don't understand the sensation or the fear that any moment, like, you know, your the ground beneath your feet could disappear. Yeah. I noticed that when I moved here, uh, when I started studying, I realized fellow classmates were going abroad to do their internships or do an exchange and then you know they would come back and it would be oh it was really difficult to live in London or New York for six months absolutely <laughs> and I'm like yeah but did you really live in London or New York for six months mm -hmm. <laughs> did you sit on the tube for four hours a day or go you know yeah. work in a bar yeah uh, till three o'clock in the morning while studying I, re I remember there's a Facebook group called uh, Danes in London of course and I remember everyone there was put so um for me and I think for most internationals, young people coming to London, they're just trying to find the cheapest room they can find, yeah. right? And I was always like, my, the cheapest I had was 450 pounds, so 4,500 kroners back then. You know, the pound has changed now, but back then uh, it was around 4,500 kroners. And Changes every 45 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Depends on who makes a speech. <laughs> Sorry. De depends on 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 the, who's the next prime minister. <laughs> Actually, probably at the time of recording, we have a new prime minister. Yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> was well, like forty days left. <laughs> <laughs> the maximum that I paid was six thousand five hundred kroners, and that was for me was a lot. We're talking a room, not a flat, a room. And I remember that did I did that one time, and then I went back to paying like five thousand, four thousand, yeah. five hundred, and. Every single person, Dane, posting on this Facebook group were always saying like, oh, my budget is uh, 7,000 to 9,000 pounds yeah. for a room. Krona. Uh, krona, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. 7,000 to 9,000 krona for a room. 
prefer we're living in like you know the West End. Yeah. And for people who know London, knows that there's like a divide between East and West, and I always feel like East is a bit more gritty. And uh, and that's where I lived. <laughs> but I remember just seeing this like, how can you how can you straight away say like your budget is from seven thousand? Like your budget should start at four thousand, and then you yeah. fingers crossed you're saying that in. You know? Yeah, I was always shocked when I moved here and started studying that students owned apartments. Yeah. I was like, what in the UK? You don't own an apartment until you know you're thirty five, forty. <laughs> You're indebted for the rest of yeah. your life. So, yeah, yeah. There's uh, the the what? the Foreldrakup, you know, yeah. where the parent can can buy the apartment on your behalf. Yeah, mm. I know. I mean, of course, this has changed. Housing crisis uh, is a thing here as well, and so it's becoming more and more difficult for for students uh, to own place and afford to live in this city, both Danes and internationals. Um, but at the same time. You know, sometimes it's hard when you've lived that life abroad and then you see, like, debates here about the poor students who can barely afford anything this winter. And you're like, well, I see these students going out and drinking expensive craft beer and natural wine every weekend yeah. while wearing their, you know, um, yeah. their, their brand items. No. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm not kind of slamming the system. The reason why I'm here is because I believe that the way you live in Denmark is an intelligent system. It's mm. an intelligent way. You pay your high taxes, you will receive, you know, free education. I, I believe in all, but there has to be a little bit of perspective mm. of what is on the other side. And I think here in Denmark, this is my opinion from being a foreigner's point of view, the perspective is lost. And yeah. I've seen it in the debates. I Yeah, I agree. And I also think... Um, a problem that has occurred uh, maybe in the past 10, 15 years is that one thing is that the perspective is lost because there's this, you know, living in a bubble, but then it's been coupled with, um, you know, the all of a sudden being the happiest country in the world. Yeah. And so I think that even means it, we lose this ability to look inwards and really understand how can we improve. And we lose the ability to maybe even look towards other societies and other countries and see how they are doing and how they are improving because one thing is that Denmark has been ahead uh, on, on many things uh, for a long time digitization uh, the the way the welfare state and how we do democracy but that doesn't mean that we can be overrun all of a sudden by others and that doesn't mean we shouldn't look to other democracies to, yeah. to learn from them but there is really right now there's that you know, ha being the happiest country in the world, we're doing everything right. People are looking towards us yeah, to learn. Yeah, it's a pride thing. They mm. don't want to admit there's problems. Because I always hear this, there are no poor people in Denmark. There are. Yeah. Like, that people are struggling to make ends meet. Um, it it's, you know. <laughs> and no, it's true. Like, um, in, of course, like, the the poor here it might be rich in another economy but it's uh it's there's still and especially this winter with the energy crisis yeah. it's happening for a lot of people there i heard a, a podcast where uh, they had interviewed uh, a pensioner living in jutland and she was um sitting in the dark during the evening because she was scared that her energy bill was going to go mental yeah um the the good news is that um the the Danish government, current Danish government, uh, by the time that this podcast will be released, probably not anymore. <laughs> Who knows? She might be back to aerobics and all bar <laughs> tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. But no, so th basically they um, they went to the EU and uh, demanded to be able to put a cap on energy prices um, via subsidies from the EU. And that has been approved. Yeah. So there will be a, a cap on the energy bills coming out fortunately so yeah. that should help a lot of people but as we mentioned before it's like the problems that we would have seen in the US the UK it's all coming coming over here now mm. with the people struggling to pay their electricity bills it's yeah we'll see I mean personally I think that um, Denmark has the capacity to install drastic and radical changes and I think that's what needed we're in a new time Everything has changed with both the pandemic and uh, and the war in Ukraine um, for global societies. And it, we require new structures and new methods and, and new ways of doing things. And yeah, if there's anyone who's more capable of it or has the capacity to do it, it should be Denmark because we are 
we are a wealthy society compared to a lot of other societies. But we're also very cautious, too cautious. Yeah. It's like, but what if? And that's also sort of the issue going back to the whole debate on uh, internationals. You know, it's it's rather have too strict rules and avoid yeah. worst case scenario yeah. than considering, well, what is what would be best case scenario? Yeah. And how can we get there? Yeah, you're totally right. So this over cautiousness. Forsichtigheit's mm. um, principle, I guess, is the it's a word we heard a lot during the pandemic, right? What's been your favourite moment of the election? Because this is going to be our, our last election episode. We've covered it now three, three weeks. Yeah, weeks. you know, but depending what happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything where you go, wow, that was amazing? <sighs> it doesn't have to be like a good political thing. It's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Like, I think what what I saw today, there was um, this um, podcaster. I mentioned her earlier. She writes for something, or she's part of something called Frihusbro. Mm. And she did a, a, a um, thread on Twitter. She tweeted today. Um, the different horoscopes of the, the candidates. Wow. And it was quite interesting, and is, which she noted as well. It's like, oh, he's a Sagittari- Sagittarius, you know, if the shoe fits, you know. <laughs> So I thought that was quite interesting. And it also kind of just shows to like the point we've come. This election has been such a, um, a, a game show, such a circus and, 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 and really interesting because of that. But it's also just to the point where you're like, in order to make sense of what's going on, you know, I'm looking to the stars. Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Virgo, oh, obviously, you know. <laughs> Like, can you imagine that if we started like yeah. doing governments based on uh, on zodiacs? I will. I will. To end on a positive note, I um, what Carolina mentioned as well. I think it is great that we have so many options in Denmark. It does become difficult um, during these elections, but also democracy, in my opinion, shouldn't be easy. It should be difficult, and I'd rather have fourteen parties all over the place than um, you know. Um, a two-party government yeah. or what we have in the US or the UK at this point as well. My favourite part of the whole election mm. was when I was driving in my car listening to the radio and I just hear every maybe 10 minutes Steven Gustavo. <laughs> just that's it. Every no minutes. introduction, no <laughs> like this is what I'm going to do, it's just voting Gustavo. And then that's <laughs> it. The confidence of that woman... I it's mean, a confidence yeah, I, mean, I wish to achieve in my life. <laughs> I mean, you you you've been you've been punished for something you did wrong as a politician. You've been thrown out of your party, thrown out of parliament. You've served sixty days in prison, <laughs> and you still decide to come back, form your new party, and even join one of uh, your opposing candidates for a podcast. Yeah, and then talk about what you're going to do politically weekly. But it's just it's it's. I mean, it's in just some like ways you got to say. Bless her, you know. Imagine <laughs> politics without Stoiber. <laughs> How much did she pay? I want to know the media people, that, the media creative people, the PR people that just she hired to do that and could just go into the microphone really close and just say, stemming Stoiber. That's what they got paid to do. Do you think she paid 56,000 kroners? Oh, <laughs> that's where we end. <laughs> if you're thinking of spending 56,000 kroner, then you can either spend it on red sausages or stemming a spider. <laughs> right. Well, uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some interesting election results to talk about next week. And in the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at uh, Radio Lit DK and on Facebook.